Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce and Joyce. It's, it's the week before Memorial Day. We have our first uh, Actors Roundtable, it seems like, of the season today on Wednesday. With a, a lot of daddies and husbands. All the, that's like the runner yeah. of it. I, I was reading it. It's it's a, a great list. It's a... A great, a great um, sextet here. Yeah, so you have Evan Peters, Michael Imperioli, Jeff Bridges, Kieran Culkin, Damson Idris, and Peter, uh, Pedro Pascal. So a good group. Mm-hmm. A lot of daddy talk. A lot of Jeff Bridges, I'd imagine, just sitting there staring at everyone. He doesn't really interact a lot with everybody. Yeah, his his stuff comes in at the end. Yes. Um, the, the star of it is Kieran. Yes. He just kind of takes over. Uh, he would have been just a good moderator because um, he was asking a lot of questions. And you could tell he had a good rapport with everyone there. Great. Loved reading. I haven't watched the actual video yet. So. I haven't watched the actual video either. I just going from the text. Like I said, there's a lot of not Jeff Bridges. And then, like you said, Jeff Bridges at the end, like answering specific questions about his health and, you know, the big Lebowski or whatever it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was great. And I'm like, all these guys who get nominated and I was reading it and I was like, what if Michael Mirioli does get nominated, but I'm still not going to put him back in for for White, uh, White Lotus? Because I just was like, I don't know. The other thing, I guess you probably knew this, but Evan Peters could have played Ethan on White Lotus instead of Will Sharp. He, I, yeah, no, now he he's angling for season three. Sure. I know, but he, he couldn't do it because of, or he was decompressing from Dahmer. So Ryan Murphy keeping Evan Peters from going to the White Lotus. So I got to say, no offense to Evan Peters, who is amazing. I think it was better to have Will Sharp in that role because he was more of an unknown and you kind of, he kind of, that fit with the part, I think. He kind of kept you off guard of what to expect from that character. Um, Yeah, sure. I, I, I don't, like, I think Evan, it would, it would have just been different with him in it, but I think he would, he would have still been great. Um, And yeah. it's not like Mike White is against casting known actors no show so um yeah so maybe he'll make it to thailand in season three would be great whenever they decide they're going to shoot that in five years uh the other uh stuff what else happened this week joyce uh succession we got a lot of emails about succession and a lot of emails that we could talk about but one thing i think you mentioned here before we start recording uh we've all had james cromwell in there for for drama guest actor and he had not appeared until the penultimate episode and now i'm like what if he wins? <laughs> so, he totally wins. 
So that was what I was left with. No offense to Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett. Both of them are, are in the top of our ranks for The Last of Us. But man, James Cromwell just like putting well, the whole show on he, his back. After he delivered that eulogy, I was like, The Last of Us stands are going to be very upset. <laughs> truly, truly, uh, <laughs> truly a remarkable monologue. Uh, he did some interviews this week too. talked about like doing it. Just a legend, legendary performance, and like really put the whole show into clear focus, I felt like, which is great. Yeah, that was really, um, of, of the three eulogies, they were all different. Um, still very sad that eldest son did not get to deliver his formally inventive eulogy. Would love to know what it uh, was. <laughs> yeah, that's what they like about it, you know. Um, but yeah, of, of the three eulogies, I think that that's the best one and it really yeah like you said kind of encapsulates the whole show and also logan as a figure and then just kind of the very universal element of um you know losing a, a parent or someone close to you who you knew and but they're older than you and then you you when you hear like you know, eulogies like this you you realize like oh like you learn more about their life before you existed and like, oh, they're a person too. Like they, they learn more about their father in death than they ever did in life. In that five minute speech, definitely. I feel yeah. like uh, really remarkable stuff. The other person who showed up in, on succession from the guest category was Harriet Walter for the first time. Caroline just causing chaos. Love and it so much. Another immediate, like, hmm, maybe I, I, I mean, I had her in, I still don't think, she, I don't know if she would win, but I'm like, she immediately was incredible with her first interaction with Shiv. I felt like was a, a, a absolute her, her O at her pregnancy, and then obviously the whole wag situation in the front pew. Just remarkable. Uh, All water under the bridge. So such a good. Episode. I think yeah. I don't know. I, well, they're they're both or or she is going to be in the finale. So I think she still needs a, a scene like in Chandeshire. Mm-hmm. Um. But she definitely did enough for the nomination. Yeah. And I guess like most people had her and James already nominated seemingly yes. without a sight unseen. But now I'm like, I think now they're win competitive, I guess I would say after just one appearance for each so far. And like you said, Harry Walter will be in the finale. Yeah. And like, you know, Cherry Jones, who's won before, I feel like maybe, I think she'll get into, but I think, you know, um, Nance feels really distant right now. <laughs> Yeah, that does feel like it happened 3,000 years ago because it was like basically the opening of the season. It's still in our odds, not reflective of this, but uh, Hiyama Abbas, uh, Marsha, not high up, but I feel like she should win because she's just been killing it, even in the in the funeral episode. I thought it was really good. Yeah, um, I hope she gets in. So that I would consider that a win. So I guess the nomination is a win there. Uh, we talked about this in our comments. You made a slight tweak in your predictions for series, which I also I went to Andor to try to chase your clout, and then you went off of Andor. I didn't go off of Andor at all. I don't know what you're saying. Andor is top five for me. You're okay. still a non-believer okay. in Andor. Andor is number five for me. Okay. So what did you take out from Bad Sisters? I took out Mando because you were trying to act like I'm in the tank for Mando, oh, which I never was because okay, I okay. always said that that's just a placeholder number eight for me because it's like four shows fighting for that last slot um so i just dumped and i put bat sisters there for now so you don't have house of the dragon that's right we're still off house of the dragon i've right? never had house of the dragon right. so right uh bad sisters why not that would be my take good show 
Um, I think, like I said in the column, I think um, it it hits a different demo than a lot of, there's a lot of genre shows here. So especially like you already have uh, Last of Us uh, in there um, and or could get in. I think it will get in. Um, and then there's Mando and House of Dragon. So there's four genre shows. And I know a lot of people are predicting all four. You know, most people probably don't have Mando by this point, but some probably have not updated in months and have all four. So I feel like something female skewing like Bat Sisters could stand out. And I think it can probably get a writing nomination. I don't know about acting. It did well at the BAFTAs last weekend, two weekends ago, whatever. Two weeks so, ago, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I like I you you could say anything could go into that eighth slot and I believe you. I mean I think your instinct is probably ac- very accurate. The other show that I would like consider would be The Diplomat, which has probably been seen more than Bad Sisters, though not. Yeah, as I a- put Carrie Russell into uh, my actress lineup, um, and then I debated putting the show into, but then I, I don't know, I just didn't. Um, and yeah, also something like Queen Charlotte, another female skewing Netflix hit. Right. So, and they nominated Bridgerton two years ago. So. So then maybe House of the Dragon should get out of my picks, is what you're saying. I'm not telling you what to do. No, I've already explained why do. I don't have it. So that's good. All of that is good reasoning, I guess, for why it's out. I do think there is a lot of, I mean, even like it's definitely more female skewing, but even Yellow Jackets is another genre show, I would argue, right? So it's like there is a lot of genre in here. Yeah. Um so yeah, like the other four or more like male skewing let's say so it, it like appeals right. to the same yeah so um yeah there's not a lot of female skewing stuff in... i guess maybe i'll put in diplomat i'm gonna do this here <laughs> the argument being more people have seen it I, that's the thing with this is just we keep talking about like how many people are watching all this stuff what are they watching i know they've watched the diplomat a lot of people watched it yeah, I mean, they've probably have seen the stuff on Netflix, right? Um, that has landed so, uh, like with the public, and um, it's the Diplomat is it's it's fun, and you know it's not like super super prestige, but it's it's like broad appealing enough, uh, with enough like prestige elements, so and let me ask you this do you think that so you have you actually have this split you have bad sisters in drama and then carrie russell in actress you don't have sharon horgan in actress right for drama no but do you think it's more likely that it, they would that an acting nominee would pair with a series nominee in that case i don't think that needs to happen okay um because it's only actors voting for the actors right. and everyone votes for the programs um, and, you know, Carrie is a former nominee in acting. Right. Sharon is a former nominee in writing. So, yeah, so, I understand that, yeah. And I think um, Carrie is is very much the lead of her show, whereas Bad Sisters is very ensemble Right. And also yeah. Sharon's, like, the creative force behind it. So, like, getting a writing nomination would be maybe more indicative of her broad contributions to it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Sharon got in because there's, you know, after the top three or four in that category, (laughs) 
it's you know it's kind of like drama series you can fill mm -hmm. out the other two slots with a number of people and True. i wouldn't be that surprised so i still have sophie uh in there for yellow jackets which she's not very high in her odds i just don't think people have updated that often i don't really know what's going to happen uh with her uh you know i think going lead is a gamble but uh it it makes sense you know she had that big episode the sixth episode and i do think yellow jackets can expand its acting nominations this year but it's hard to figure out like who are going to be be the people who will get them like is it going to be an, another adult yellow jacket is it going to be one of the kids the the teens like i don't know if they're really paying attention to the teens like that's such a large group um is it going to be one of the guys i don't know if they're paying attention to guys because it's such a, a female-led show so I am I, I'm going to go down with Elijah Wood on, on that one because I just feel like he's in all his scenes are with Christina Ricci, who I feel like is very much a, a sure bet. And he's also great on it. He's so funny, I think. It's just like a really good performance. Uh, I don't have any Yellow Jackets skits. I have, oh, I did add, um, speaking of guest actress, I did add Ella Purnell. Mm, nice. In there, I think that's kind of, you know, and with guests, you know, they're kind of, random sometimes so i think um that's a nomination that could happen especially if they only saw the first two episodes <laughs> right didn't keep up with the season um yeah, i didn't realize we could predict her yet joyce there i'm glad she's in there she was um added a couple days ago nice so, i saw also uh natalie gold is in there who i spoke to this week for succession rava, rava. i thought of maybe putting her in too because i thought She's been great on this season. But then I'd have four succession actresses in here for guests. Uh, I mean, you know, it could happen. So I thought, uh, especially... we don't know how hard they're going to go. We, the only thing we know is that succession is the show that everyone is watching. We know everyone is watching it and remains pretty highly, uh, highly liked. But I will say, Joyce, we got a lot of emails. I want to just go to emails this week because so many of these are about succession, including one that was basically like, you guys talk about succession too much. And are but also then you're, you guys are sending us emails about succession. <laughs> and then are also wrong about succession. Uh, let's go to that one here. This is from, from uh, Evo, I believe, who was emailed before. Uh, oh, Evo was the one who wrote that essay about Jennifer Coolidge. I remember. I am the one with the long question about Jennifer Coolidge not having the material to win in either category in the drama field. I have two questions this time and I will pr try to be shorter. I promise. Thank you for the answers. I got to say, Evo, love this email. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we will decide if you were shorter. Joyce, I'll let you be the I final I mean, you judge. could just pull up the previous email and compare. <laughs> well, I'll just read it and you tell me how, how short this one is. Uh, and again, you can email us at slugfestigoldderby.com, especially if you want to respond to this e Evo one. With due respect, I think you are both very biased regarding Succession, not only as a show, but also about its characters and the fact that you, especially Chris, see them as better than they are regarding their intellectual capacity and humanity. So both questions will be about it, one about the show and the other about its Emmy's chances. Uh, first question. Unlike you two, I was sure that Roman was going to fail to deliver the eulogy. He has always been incredibly insecure, immature, and full of himself, even dumb dumb because he is often incapable to see things for what they really are. He has never been as smart as you have tried to picture him in the past. 
at least in my opinion. So my question is, do you think that he will commit suicide? It is a life possible for him if Kendall or Shiv take the company or if Lucas takes it from them. As a whole, do you think that envy among the siblings and that all three of them are incapable to share the power, all of them wanting to be on top, would be the thing that will destroy them? Let's talk about that and then we'll go to the Emmy's chances. Okay, so they mean incapable. I'm just reading what he wrote, Joyce. Okay. Um, I don't even remember the first part because that was so long. So, not on you, but it is pretty long, but it is. I will say this. Uh, I totally disagree with all of the, the framing here, but I'm not surprised that I would because I do think that I, I think the show has a respect for the characters and treats them like people. And that people can do good things and bad things. And those yeah, are more um, each other. Yeah, no one is always good or bad. And but, I think the, the whiplash that a lot of people experience with Roman the past two episodes was really apparent after Church and State. Because everyone say, hated him right. after America Decides. I, I, will take, like, I will disagree with this framing. He, he knew he was going to fail the eulogy Evo wrote because he's always been in, insecure, immature, and dumb. But the reason he was not able to to complete the eulogy is because he actually acted like a human being and grieved and had a had a very uh, reasonable response to having a parent die, I felt like. And yeah, so, that like, was the most his most human moment. I also don't recall saying I that he would ace the eulogy I, I think i did i think i did that that was going to be because we were talking about i don't know if i used that exact term but i think we were talking about how each of them have had wins in these later parts of the season and that that would maybe be roman's win but as it turned the election was really roman's win yeah like i like one when, when he volunteered to deliver the eulogy i was like this is going to be great because he's already spiraling. Like I, I thought he could deliver the eulogy, but it, it would be like super emotional, like not necessarily a full breakdown like that. But then that also makes sense because he pre-grieved and, you know, they did Chekhov's pre-grieving in Honeymoon States when he's like, I pre-grieve. It, it might hit me like a freight train later. And it did. And it did. Uh, so, and yeah. And then I, I mean, I do think he is the most, um, uh, and emotionally not sound but like he's the most in touch with his emotions because he's the most um childlike of them like he's the one who always just wants them to like hang out um right. and just dick around and hurl insults at each other like that's their way of showing affection to each other because that's all he's ever known um and like you, you think of like all the scenes when there is like him and his siblings together like he likes those moments like when he got back on the yacht after the host hostage crisis like he liked that but he doesn't know how to express it in a nice way to them so and like I thought like his breakdown completely makes sense and like you said like he got his win in the election episode right. and that's been the pattern it's like none of them can have sustained momentum um for too long so after they each get a win the next episode they usually take an l of some sort 
Right. So like after the election, I was like, oh, well, like the eulogy is not going to go great, especially because they made the whole preview about with him rehearsing. And when they do that, you know, it's just like not going to go well or they're not going to show all of it or like something is going to be up. Correct. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's true. And I think the thing with Roman, the show, I just think the show, I, I'm certainly biased on it because I just think it's so much better than every other show just flat out I think it is like one of the best shows I've ever gotten to watch so I'm obviously in the tank for it but I will say the other thing I like about the character is that he has like a weird like especially in in, in the election episode where he is full fascist or you know throwing his weight he doesn't actually he considers his own personal relationships way more than any kind of collective right so we see him like he's more inclined to like help uh Carrie like when she's having issues at the memorial service when Marsha's like kind of shitting all over her and she drops all her stuff and you know like that he's like very kind and caring in that sequence but then like in the greater good aspect of it he's like everybody sucks and doesn't matter basically right like that's how he kind of views life is well, that his family is more important than or the personal relations are more important than like anybody else the thing about him as opposed to uh Shiv and Kendall is like he is who he is like he doesn't try to pretend to be good or want to be good like Kendall does like Kendall's always constantly asking like am I a good dad or you know whatever like he's trying to like do good and or just like do something different than what Logan did like he's trying to change some things and he wants to be thought of as a good person Shiv's just performative you know like we have to do what's better for the country like she might have more progressive views but like both well all of them they're just doing like they're seeking what serves them that best in in terms of this deal right so she tries to act like she wants uh Jimenez to win but it's really because that's the deal she wants with Madsen right right but like Roman he doesn't have he doesn't use any kind of facade like that it's just like yep like I I just want Menken you know like he doesn't try to be good at all yeah uh so we'll, we'll talk more about these and, and I'm sure Kieran and Jeremy and the whole thing, but here's the rest of I, uh, Evo's question, which actually this one I thought was interesting and I kind of would accept this criticism, I guess, or at least engage with this a little more uh, amenably. But here is this. the number two. This is about the Emmy chances for succession. Uh, don't you think it is very contradictory to say that Brian Cox is a lead, but Imelda Staunton might be more supporting, which I definitely have said. Uh, I'm sorry, but this makes zero sense. Cox belongs in supporting and he being in lead is very much about his ego as David also wrote you a couple of weeks ago. Also, he does care about winning awards. And this is Evo speaking, claiming that he remained, that Jeremy, uh, Brian remains salty that Jeremy beat him everywhere. Uh, he deserves- Does Evo he, know Brian Cox? I don't know. He he says he adds- he will the beats, how, do you, how do you know how Brian Cox feels? He will be deservingly snubbed in my opinion. Uh, well, now I feel like this is just if if we're biased about succession. Now I feel like this is just bias against Brian, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, and then there's another question. Uh, just adding, this turns into a little bit. Oh, oh, here, sorry. Uh, he was not even able to get a BAFTA nomination while Matthew McFadden not only got it, he won the last two years. BAFTA's made British actors from American shows eligible for nominations, and they vote the nominees on panels, so that the tapes matter here. On the same note, Imelda Staunton and, and Celine Dow were the only actors from season five of The Crown that got nominated at the BAFTAs. So I think you're not taking her as seriously. And she's also in more episodes than Elizabeth Debicki. And what do you think that Netflix or Dow himself 
submitted in supporting at the Emmys when he could win in guests. So I would say like, I, all of that aside, I think that is true that like, maybe I was more, I, I, you know, Imelda is then elite also, I guess if Brian is elite, though I did say that maybe she would be better in supporting just because the I mean, I never said Imelda was not a lead. I didn't, I didn't, I said that she probably could be supporting because she's not in it as much or the season wasn't as focused on Queen Elizabeth as it was Diana. But I don't think I would put her in lead, in supporting. I think they would both be leads basically. Yeah, like I think the my thing with the crown is I, I would just put Elizabeth in lead just like what they did with Olivia and Emma. Right, right. So. but I, I, I can see the argument that Brian is supporting, but I still Brian think- Brian can definitely lead. go supporting. Um, it's It's just like, I don't, think like i'm i can't get angry at this because he's not breaking any rules like i don't i don't care (laughs) like it's he could go supporting i think it would make every succession fan happy if it was just him and karen swapping and they could both walk away from the show with a win because as it stands now one of the at least one of them is not going to win for the show if they both get to lead so but like I do like I I, I don't care that he's in lead like and I I like again like how do you know it's his ego how do you know it's not a contractual thing it, it could, could be contra- I would say I would more likely expect it to be a contractual thing that he's the lead of the show I the one thing I will say is as much as I love Brian and I'll go to my grave saying that Radley Cooper should have won over Rami Malek and Brian Cox should have won for season three three of Succession at the enemies uh, last year. I don't think this year, even if he was supporting with the three episodes, he would be better positioned to win than Matthew McFadden, who I know I would say like like the first half of the season, I would say, oh, he could win supporting. But with the last the back half, the last couple episodes, you know, it's like tailgate party. I'm like, oh, well, you know, congratulations, Matthew, on your second. Holy cow. Just like absolutely throwing haymakers on the show. He's so good. So, so good. And I cannot wait to see him in the finale. So I don't think Brian would win in either category this year, or even maybe in guests, to be perfectly honest, if he was going to go there. Like, I don't think he would win. I, I think like guests would, would be the easiest one for him to win because they're the laziest there. Right. So it they would just, just be a name check. Right. Yeah. But I don't think he would win it based on what the material he had this year. I don't, as much as I really loved it. And then particularly his scene with Colin in the diner in the first episode, uh, which is just amazing stuff. I don't think it's better than any of the other. I don't think it's better than James Cromwell, even James Cromwell. I just am like, it's like the material is not as, as meaty this year for him as it was last year. So that's why you should have won only, for last There's year. only in two episodes and then a teaser right. and then as a, a hologram, basically. Right. As a deep fake, love the so, hologram. Um, uh, but Evo, I, yeah, I, like it. I, I think like he'll still get into lead just because no one, like none of the fringe contenders, are individually strong, or their show is strong enough to usurp him. I, I think that is more. I think there are. That's exactly right. That I think in a different year with more shows or more contenders he would not probably make it in lead, but because there is a dearth of series and a dearth of actors that I think everyone can agree on, he will probably just get in. Like you said, like who would you put in over him? It's tough to find a a consensus. Yeah, like no one is really um, that much strong. Like he has the strongest show. You you can like definitely say he doesn't have the strongest performance. He definitely doesn't have the most screen time, but he has the strongest show. And it's a show that we know everyone is watching. Um, um, so, 
So Joyce, we're going to do another email. And this uh, continuing the succession emails because this is basically Every, everyone who hates us talking about succession is going to be so mad at all these Please questions. Email us and tell us, give us something else that you talk about, maybe anything. But uh, email us at slugfestigoldery.com. This one is from Matt. He was from Alabama. I believe we read an e- email from him previously. Matt from Alabama again. Some of us in good old Alabama love arts and culture. Not all of us farm for a living. Ha ha. And he writes, I really enjoy Thursdays with you guys. So I'm going to try to make this a thing to email you guys every week. Even if oh. only one gets read, that would be awesome. Well, Matt, we're making your dreams come true. But his question is going to be about Kieran versus Jeremy Strong. Common sense would say that Jeremy has the upper hand. He's a previous winner. Most consider him the nucleus of the show, especially since Logan died. And he hasn't missed a beat this season. However, Kieran has just blown me out of the water this season. My wife and I were discussing what episode his submission would be. And I genuinely genuinely think there's so many he could choose from. How likely is it for him to take the momentum all the way to the win? If he stayed in supporting, I think he would be a slam dunk this year. But going up against Jeremy and Brian might be too much to overcome. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. Now we both have him in first. Yes. Uh, we talked about this. I think since the episode six, Jeremy has been just owning the show. He's been so good. And there was a moment this past episode where I was like, almost thinking of putting him in first, but then Kieran again, just continually surprises me. And I think his performance is incredible. And they continually give Roman just so much to do. I think that is another key aspect to this. Like he has not taken a backseat to Jeremy or Kendall at all. No, he's he's had the most material as Roman um, he's ever had uh, throughout the whole show. Um, and and Kieran said in one of his like postmortem interviews that this, this season was the first time Jesse uh, told him, uh, gave him the raw strokes of the season what was going to happen. So he told him about the funeral and the eulogy and what was going to happen. So it was like he he knew he was going to have good stuff the season already, way before they shot a single frame. Um, so I the thing, I, I understand people thinking uh, Jeremy will win if they're just going to go with, with a succession guy again um, because he has won before but also under the system um no one has won this category again right um so you can't say like they are like lazy you know obviously given julia garner three emmys but in this category they have not done that yet like a repeat winner um and they uh jeremy and karen also have never gone head to head at the emmys so they're untested against each other. So you can't say that just because Jeremy won before not facing Kieran, that he's going to win again when it's a different year. They both have different material. Um, and I think also with Jeremy's win and also Matthew's win last year, I think it really shows that, you know, for as lazy as the voters can be, like when they pay attention, you can tell they pay attention and they're actually watching the show and the performances like Jeremy's win, you could tell they were watching it because that was still when succession was like on the come up. And I, 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 like, I remember in phase one when everyone was just predicting Brian Cox and not Jeremy strong. And by this time, this was spring 2020. So the season had aired already in summer 2019. So 
it wasn't like it was airing live and we're just waiting for material for Jeremy. It was over. And, but like, you know, he's not the, the big name. Um, and it took a while for Jeremy to even break into the top six. And then there were still people predicting Brian to win, but it was like, if you pay attention to that season, you know, that, uh, the, the majority of fans really fell in love with Jeremy's performance and Kendall. And like, that was the performance of the season and he won. And then last year, the season three, it was the same thing. It was like, it was such a great Tom season for Matthew. And obviously Kieran got the Globe nom. He won Critics' Choice. He made SAG with uh, Jeremy and Brian in their one category. So you would say like he had the more momentum going into the Emmys and he was the favorite. But, you know, they were clearly watching it and paying attention and Matthew won. And I think you feel that same vibe with Kieran this season. Like, Kieran is the one people are talking about when they're watching the show. So I think he can win because we know they're watching the show. The other thing I think, everything you said there, absolutely agree with and totally right. The other thing is, I think if you think of Kendall in season two and Tom in season three, those are characters who for you know like this goes back to like do you have to like these people or whatever but i think you do find emotional connection with them in those seasons kendall that was the most jeremy i think has mined the sadness and generated a lot of audience sympathy for kendall in season two and tom last year obviously with like the prison arc and just like all of that wine all of those things i think he had a lot of empathy and set it up so you kind of really are understanding why he betrayed shiv and also like all these things and this season even with jeremy uh, with kieran and, and roman's embrace of far-right fascism in the election episode there are just so many reasons here to find real empathy for roman and like real sadness for him as a human being and even those actions in the election episode i think are very if not obviously maybe not acceptable but like you understand why he's making those decisions based on what we've seen before and certainly what we saw in the funeral episode so i think just from an emotional level that is the performance that people are going to really latch onto, and that to me puts him over jeremy as well because the arc for kendall this season is full michael corleone it feels like at times and there's not as much uh it's just not, it's not as warm. <laughs> There's not as much warm, warmth for him and like empathy for him this season because it is, he is fully going to, you know, the dark side or whatever you want to call it. And like excelling in that, that he is accepting, you know, like I was thinking just from like the show aspect, the last big scene that Jeremy and Brian had and Kendall and, and, and Logan had together is I guess the penultimate episode of season three when they're at dinner and like, Kendall is like futilely trying to be like I'm better than you I'm not like you and Brian and Logan's just like fuck off I've been cleaning up your shit your whole life and you're not better than me you think you're better than me but it's not life is a fight in the mud for a knife right and then this season is finally I think that is Kendall basically accepting that and like learning that and whether that's not something that I think is very enjoyable or <laughs> very well like that you see it happening in the eulogy I my favorite part of his eulogy is when he, he literally writes one word on Roman's pink note cards and then just drops the pen it's like I know what to do in front of a mic I always kill in front of a mic you it, know, it I really wish he is laughed, and <laughs> I think it's a remarkable performance but like I said it's not one you're maybe rooting I think you're rooting yeah because that that eulogy was about um appealing to the stakeholders uh, yes. like you like his Roman flopped in, in front of Matson and Mencken, and now Kendall is trying to present the other side, as Shiv said. 
Yeah, but then, and then he's like, what's left to do? And then he is fully embracing his inner Logan because then he's assembling Logan's ranks. Like he already had um, Big H, Hugo in his pocket, Wolf Wolf. Now he's all in. Yeah, um, he already talked to Frank, you know, in the tailgate party. He's bringing in Colin. Like he's just using all his guys. He's like, like my dad knew what to do. Like he had people who were loyal to him and I'm going to, you know, pick the same people for my team. And just that, again, not to turn this into a succession show, but too late, I guess. But the scene, and I think this is a great scene for Kieran and I would argue again, another like Emmy moment when at the end of this last episode, before uh, Roman goes into the street and like self-emulates himself, basically, uh, you have Kendall come up to Roman and be like, you fucked it. That was the most Kendall has ever been like Logan. And the way he treated Kieran and Roman there was like Logan to the point where I, Roman Kieran slash Kieran has a response that I've actually never seen him do before where he's just like come on like he's actually like annoyed or like upset he, he flinches yeah because it's so because Kendall has always been supportive of Roman and we saw that even in in Living Plus where he's like let's do it fire everybody you gonna fire me like he's always had his back and I think as he slowly kind of become Logan or stepped into whatever he thinks Logan was he is shedding every single one of those relationships or those uh, you know like connections that he has had and like kind of kept up because like what's the point and like he says to you go like the people who love you fuck you and that's it basically for him and so like that I thought was like a great Kendall moment and also a great Roman moment but I still think like I said like I think the fact that Roman is more uh, there's more humanity to him despite the far-right fascism is uh making it maybe more possible that he would win I don't know as a thing you know uh losing a parent or a loved one that's a universal thing like we have you know all felt or going to unfortunately you know experience that at some point in our lives and I think the way he has portrayed someone who has pre-grieved and is grieving or being hit with a wave of grief um is you know, there's there's just this level of verisimilitude to it that I think is very hard to portray on camera without it coming off phony. And I think, you know, him pre-grieving makes total sense because, you know, that's just the type of person who is like a jackass. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to get emotional about this. But then, you know, his confrontation with Matson in Norway, like that was the grief hitting him when he was like, you know, me, I'm I'm fucking dead, you know, like I'm gone. Like that's something that happens when you're grieving someone and then obviously the the eulogy. So yeah, like he he will back a fascist and everyone will hate him for seven days. And then everyone is just feeling immense empathy for him now after yeah, that breakout, you know? Uh, this is a, Matt, just to move off succession briefly here, uh, Matt had another comment uh, in his email. As a side note, Phil Dunster has been the winner of Ted Lasso season three in my eyes. Not sure if he has a win in him, but if he doesn't end up with a nomination, I think it would be criminal trying to speak it into existence. The reason I bring this up, Joyce, is I think the la- this is the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso airs today. 70 minutes. But I got to say, best episode of the season going away, and Phil is amazing on it, I thought. And I definitely think he will get nominated based on the way the arc of Jamie this season. Um, Don't know about that first part, but he... Uh is very good as he's always been this entire season he's really Um, good yeah very jamie centric episode um 
And that's that storyline was really the only storyline that completely worked in the whole episode. <laughs> I, I gotta say I I dis I disagree because I think the Ted stuff worked really well too. And this was another I, I mean that that's that's the second best one, but it's still kind of just like you, you know, the way it's just like setting up what it's a it's just like we 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 already knew what was coming, like he's, he's gonna go home, right? And then it's just like they're like rushing it, putting all the pieces in place like really last minute. Um I, it's like you know I mean I think when I, I really have enjoyed this, I enjoyed this episode a lot. And I think the last few have been solid as well. But I think when you look back at this season, the length of the episodes plus the detours these episodes take, plus the fact that to get from point A to B, which we all knew it was going to go to, you went to like 30 different data points or whatever. It just feels like there was a way to tell this season story. You could be incredibly succinct and, succinct and tell it in 30 minutes. Like, and just, just tell it a little more cleanly. And I think that is where the demerits of the season come in. But like we had said previously, which I got dinged for again, apparently I don't like Abbott. I saw somebody at replied on, on Twitter, this choice that I'm biased against Abbott Elementary, which a show which I think is totally fine. I don't know. I don't think I'm biased against it. I haven't like getting like multiple nominations and winning uh, numerous awards, but okay. Uh, but I think the highs of this Ted Lasso season will be why it kind of like like we said, like the sum of its parts, this the the sum is is greater than the whole. Or what is that? What is that? What is that? No, thing? their parts are better than the sum. The sum is is not adding up. That's it. The parts are great. The sum of the season is not. Yeah, because really again, like to today's episode, those those last two scenes, they're just trying to make you cry again. Right. But then if you actually step back and think about them for a second, it's like this is like just good in a vacuum like that scene is like beard coming in like telling his backstory that we you know never heard about um and then you know the te the scene with um his ted and his mom that that was good um yeah. and then like the the cliffhanger with rebecca like sure whatever but but yeah like they're designed to make you feel emotional but then it's like stuff doesn't really like the the way you you get there doesn't really make sense because the season yeah like you said it's like meandering and it's it has both taken the scenic route, like very long scenic route, and also shortcuts, especially with the Nate arc. <laughs> I, I, again, I definitely like it more than, I think a lot of people certainly, but I guess my criticism would be like, I just, I think if you put a list of, maybe, I mean, I don't know, but if you listed the characters who I think people want to see focused on, they're just not, and you like kind of like, ticked off like how much they've done with those characters this season there's just not enough there like sam i think is a character who i really loved and i love uh tohi uh, jimmo i think he's a great actor obviously he was an emmy nominee last year and like the stuff he's had this season when he's been in it is great he's still great but he's so sidelined as a character yeah they have these kind of uh, you know like 70 minute long episodes but like that means like they're just devoting like like five minutes to like this like side plot here and there so no one gets that the yeah. the screen time um or or the plot line really to really delve into their story or their character like like really rebecca hasn't had a lot to do since the first i, I i've moved I, even though i'm a apparently a card-carrying hater of abbott elementary which is not true i uh i've, I've definitely have shirley ralph winning uh supporting i, I had rebecca and hannah waddingham winning for a while yeah, like all the actors are, are still great i know? still the i think the only actor who will win though is brett i don't think any of the other regulars would win 
I don't think Jason would win despite this this episode. And I don't think Hannah would come back to win because I think Cheryl Lee Ralph has had more to do and is more impactful on Abbott for this second season. And obviously won last year, which helps. Yeah. Um, I mean, like Phil, you know, to bring it back to Matt's bullet point, like that would be a very deserving nomination. I don't, you have him in. I, I do. Uh, do not have him in yet. Um, I, I don't know what will happen. Um, he's I, basically, he's like the Courtney Cox right now right. Uh, who's not been nominated. I, so I will say, I can't, I don't know if I can say this confidently, but I don't think Nick Muhammad would get in. I don't have him. People do have him though, but I, I don't think they, they may be, I don't think he's going to get in. I think it would either be just Brett or Brett and, and Phil as nominees for supporting actor this year from Ted. Um, I would like that, um, you know, especially because they, they did share a, a story arc. Right. That's another reason, but... honestly, I, I kind of like with a lot of my predictions and maybe this is really stupid, but a lot of them, I was thinking like with White Lotus, like I'm still, I'm going down with like Haley Lou Richardson and Tom Hollander specifically because they're in the Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Coolidge uh, arc. And they have like key scenes with her. And similarly with Phil, I feel like you're like, you're exactly right. Like he, his whole arc, a lot of it this year is with Brett, who has been the most consistent and reliable part of this season of Ted Lasso. And so like, I think he will definitely get nominated, obviously Brett Goldstein. And I think that helps Phil Dunster, like kind of elevate above maybe a lot of other contenders is because like you love Brett you're going to be like well I'll write both of them down they're in it they're in so much stuff together and they're like a really funny comedy act I think together yeah like the bicycle scene in Amsterdam was really good Um, I think this uh, I would be more confident in him or maybe not that much but like slightly more if it were still the unlimited ballot because true they could just fill out a bunch of names but I it's really you know with the restricted ballot it's like you can like something, but is it in your top eight? Right. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that that's true. I don't. I don't know I, the I don't answer. Know. Like, I think. I mean, they. I think they are watching the show. Um, and I feel like the industry won't have as many issues with the season as, um, you know, we do or uh, like casual fans do, regular fans. Um, I mean, there are a ton of regular fans who still love the show. Yeah. So I mean, I would say I still like it. Like, I'm definitely not against the show. I think it's good. But I know that's like a minority of the the cooler sect of the... Yeah, like, I think you can still totally watch the show and enjoy the characters um, and enjoy specific scenes. Um, but I... I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it's wrong of me to expect more from a show that is so highly acclaimed and has no. won so many Emmys. So I, I don't, I don't think it's wrong. I, like I said, I think the stuff that's works, works really well. And yeah. like, I think the stuff that doesn't has been like, not, not great. And together it doesn't, it just doesn't come together as it. it I mean, it might stick the landing. I think that I'm, I'm expecting the finale to be solid. Well, so you know, now Nate is, is going to start work again, 10 a.m. Monday. So that's like, that's like, why are we seeing, why, why did we miss a whole scene? Again, m- missing like whole episodes, like of the team talking and deciding to invite him back without asking the coaches. Like it was so weird. I got, I, I do wonder, this is just a total Ted Lasso side track that I'm not sure if this even holds water, but I know they wrote season one and two together, right? Like, I think they had written season two while season one was already, so like the idea, the Nate stuff was already like baked in. And I think, I I talked to, 
I did I did an interview with Brett Goldstein, I guess maybe two like maybe last year, I guess, when they for like WGA awards, I guess it was. So it was like for season two. And he was like kind of surprised that the discourse around Nate was so aggressive. They they all were. And I think they didn't realize maybe how good Nick Muhammad was gonna be at making Nate into such a giant asshole and that he was gonna like nuke the support for the character in such a way that I do wonder if they were just like, yeah, taken aback by that and then had a hard time steering it back to where it was. So they kind of just, just kind of punted it. They took shortcuts. Honestly, I wonder if that's it. Like they didn't realize how much support there was going to be for the show and the characters and to have a character betray the team and Ted in such a way that there is almost no coming back from that. And so how do you do you that? You still then? show him as that villain and the complexity there and still have him learn his lesson. We right. just never got to see him. No. It's got it's like succession, like just show the asshole. You could still make an asshole empathetic. Yeah. Um, I, I just think I, I do wonder. I think they were taken aback by that. And I think that I, I, I think so. Yeah. There were a lot of um interviews last year when yeah. And they did because they started filming season two in early 2021. Mm-hmm. So and season one premiered in August 2020. So yeah, uh, um, yeah. Uh, another email here, Joyce Slugfestigolderby.com. I'm just gonna read this one. It's from our old pal David L. It's been a fun being your regular listener and getting your shoutouts. I'm telling many of my friends to watch. So hopefully you can have more emails. Thanks, David. That's so kind of you. Uh, my question is, do you have strong? It is another succession. I, I'm not even gonna read this part. It's again asking about Kieran. But he wants to know if the show could sweep six of the seven Emmy acting categories except supporting actress. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this before, I feel like. Um, like, yeah, I don't think it will. Um, I, so I have a winning three of the four acting, the lead acting, the lead and supporting categories. Because I think Kieran, Sarah Snook, who we haven't even mentioned, and Matthew McFadden feel like very... Yeah, I think they can win. Um, I have Jennifer winning supporting actress. Yeah. And then for the Uh, guest acting categories, I'm still not ready to predict any from Succession because while, like we said earlier, I think there's a lot of win competitive people, specifically like James Cromwell and Harriet Walter and, you know, down the list. I'm not sure there's going to be enough support for one of them. Whereas I think Last of Us, while it is a two-hander, I think most people like were very higher on Nick Offerman for the unexpected nature of that performance, maybe from him compared to like Murray Bartlett, who uh, is like kind of become known for doing those a, a great performance. You know what I mean? Like it just was not as much of a surprise maybe to see Murray Bartlett in that role as it was for Nick Offerman. I guess I don't know, just from a dramatic standpoint. And then I have like Melanie Linsky for. Last of Us, similarly, I feel like maybe is a stronger bet, but I guess I can make the case for the succession winners there too, but I don't know. I just don't know if there's going to be that wide of an embrace. Um, I think I have, yeah, I, I have Cherry in first for guest actress, um, and I still have Marion first for guest actor. Um, I would say after Church and State, I could see James winning. Um, and I would probably go with a non-succession person and guest actress, but I don't know who, so I'm not going to do anything. Um, I still see Harriet winning that. Yeah. I, 
I could see another situation where they just set a new record for acting nominations again, you know, or get 14 again on, on the restrictive ballot, um, but not win a ton. Right. So um, especially because most of their nominations are, are, are like they would be getting uh, multiple nominations in one category um, in a lot of these. And yeah, you know, obviously J. Smith Cameron has an uphill battle and supporting actors. I, I was wondering this. Do you think she actually gets nominated? Yeah. I definitely think it's close. I don't know if they're... I think I could see a case where she doesn't get in and there's another White Lotus person in there, maybe, instead. Like, just an add another actress from White Lotus. Anybody who doesn't have one of those in, I guess. No, I think she's fine. I, I think she is... Like, I, I think, again, like, I think the show would do well in nominations and it's just not gonna it's I don't think it's gonna pull a crown um I don't winning yeah. almost all the acting categories um I mean the crown also benefited from a way less competitive field that year too um yeah, yeah I think I, like if if it does win both guests and then Karen Matthew and Sarah do win um then you could make the argument which we will only know in hindsight that they were just checking succession down the ballot and then j smith cameron wins as a coattail you know that would be wild so i guess we we could probably get a sense of it if succession sweeps the guest categories at creative arts the week before but that it, that often that doesn't mean anything for the regular categories either right. um because i do think they treat guests differently like they don't think about it as much and they're the most name checky than the regular categories um i mean i i can see you know i i, I think matthew is going to win i think matthew is the safest so i could see it just being matthew again like i think that's the floor for them. i think you can make it e i mean we're like you know this is not a sponsored hbo succession podcast but i think you'd easily make the case that like Pedro Pascal wins best actor for Last of Us, right? If everybody's, if all the succession guys split and you can make the case that like Melanie or Bella Ramsey or Imelda Staunton wins best actress over Sarah Snook. And then you're left with just Matthew winning supporting actor. Yeah. And, you know, like we've talked about with Sarah, um, she, you know, Shiv is still like quote unquote unlikable mm -hmm. as a character, although they have generated um, more sympathy, I think, for the season. Um, but, you know, she, she's still like a, a hard ass bitch, like she told Lucas. Like, I, I love her using her pregnancy to try to get back into her brother's good graces in the car and then immediately turning around and be like, I'm just gonna discard my child um, to be the American CEO. <laughs> of waystar once you buy it so what would you pay this is the last time we're going to talk about succession or last thing we talk about succession before the finale obviously which is this weekend and we can talk next week about multiple finales that was another uh david was like i can't wait to hear your thoughts on the series finales of barry mrs Maisel, and succession the most enjoyable shows we'll miss on television and probably won't have something as iconically great as those next season but i so i don't want to ask you to predict these finales joyce but i guess where would you pet where would you put the uh, concept of of Greg being the puppet CEO for for Waystar and for Matson. That'd be great. I think that um, really could happen. <laughs> I really think that's you know, it's I, I think it will make a lot of people upset, which I would just love. Because a lot of people hate Greg. Yeah. Um, and it's very funny to me. But it, I think it makes a lot of sense. It um does. and it's 
you know, uh, Logan did um, write down his name with a question mark. <laughs> so, so I, I, I think he sees that he knows, like Greg knows how to survive. He's very obsequious. He knows how to jump from whoever has power at that moment and kiss their ass. You know, he's not afraid to do so. He's just going to cling on and hang on. Um, yeah, so it'll be hilarious if he's American CEO. I could also see um, like Mencken or Lucas or whoever asking Greg to fire Tom, which would be hilarious. Like, especially if, um, you know, uh, Jimenez wins, like they, they don't certify the vote and Mencken gets mad. So then he tells... Um, yeah, I, I definitely think all of these yeah. things are very possible, especially the way the show has gone. And I think those are arcs that would be complete uh, and very satisfactory to me. Uh, just we have a couple of questions here that aren't about any of these shows. One is from Larry, who is our uh, uh, pseudonym, pseudonym uh, writer writer on strike, uh, who has been emailing us. Curious to your take on two late limited series entries into the awards foray. Tonally, Love and Death and White House Plumbers share a comedic blend in which they're telling the audience they are not taking themselves too seriously. And the premise for each show is intriguing, particularly Love and Death. However, do you think either is compelling enough to break through the surface and become serious awards contenders? When I receive my WGA ballot at the end of the year, not sure how, how, how I will vote. Now, we were I, more me, I think, well, White House Plumbers, I've, I've really abandoned in my predictions, I have to say. Uh, Love and Death, I still have pretty well represented. So do you, do you have any White House Plumbers? Let me see. I'm looking now. So I don't have it in, in for series. I have no uh, actors in lead actress or sub actor. I don't have- Well, it doesn't have a lead actress. I don't have I don't have it anywhere. I, I really don't. I took it out of everything. You just dropped it completely. I did. I have Love and Death. I have Elizabeth Olsen for sure. I have Lily Rabe and I have uh, Jesse Plemons. Um, White House Plumbers, I just have the guys, Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux, um, in five, six. So I went back, I went to Michael Shannon and Sam Claflin, <laughs> Hope Dicting, my boy from, uh, Daisy Jane. Billy Dunn. Billy Dunn, baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So white. Okay. So, oh, but both of them, well, Love and Death will have its finale tomorrow slash today, Thursday. And then uh white house plumbers is on monday memorial day monday mm -hmm. so yeah uh i i think uh love and death is the with the general public is the more viewed and liked show i think it's also more broad appealing uh you know murder true crime and white house plumbers i I, I think, I don't even know if you can argue it has more pedigree over Love and Death because Love and Death is from David E. Kelly, who you could say, you know, is past his heyday, but Big Little Lies wasn't that long ago. No, um, he's like like reliably, yeah, he's reliable, yeah. a TV pro. So, yeah, and uh, I would, I have um, Love and Death in the Phantom Six spot that we could predict, even though, again, um, not to be a broken record, but I think it'll be five <laughs> slots. So I could see it making in two series. Um, I, I'm not sure about White House Plumbers because I think it needed to have more critical support. Neither of them got a lot of critical support, but I think um, 
their their scores on metacritic and whatever i uh i think they're harsher than they need to be (laughs) because the shows are like not that bad and they're just not like you know like revelatory series but like they're they're totally solid shows um and i think the the tone of the first episode of white house plumbers is kind of um a little not off-putting but i think it it doesn't really grab people necessarily that much even though it it shifts with the rest of the episodes like i think the first episode just kind of sets up to show you how bumbling they were um but uh and i think the show does get better as it goes on but i don't know like how many people are watching them when they could also be watching like a murder true crime show i I also think love and death has the benefit of having a true like standout performance from lizzie olsen Yes. And I don't think White House Plumbers has no offense to any of the actors, but none of them have been like, I don't like you're right. I think just anecdotally, I think I see more people talk like more people are excited to talk about Lizzie Olsen and that performance than they are anything in White House Plumbers. Yeah, I mean, Justin, listen, he is going for it on this yeah. show, but I I feel like he could do more. It's weird. I don't know. Like uh, I I feel like it it could. I'm not gonna say he's not committed to it because I think he is, but I think there's, it's, uh, I think I think there's just something a little like, uh, slightly off, um, with I guess how the rest of the episodes, uh, tones are uh, against his performance, even though his performance works really well with it, and uh, opposite Woody too, um, like Woody is like the the anchor like straight man ish there and i think he also gets uh good as the series goes on and lena hetty she had her big episode this week the fourth episode um uh if you know you know what happens to dorothy hunt you can just google it probably oh yeah google it's 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 real life you know it's not a spoiler there's no spoilers in real life history yeah no no spoilers in real life so but yeah i don't have her in either but i have a bunch of love and death actors like you i have lizzie um, I don't have Lily Rabe, but um, I do have Jesse, and I also added uh, the scene stealer from the back half of Love and Death, Tom Pelfrey. Nice. I'm still like hope dicking Liam Schreiber for Small Light. I still have it in series too, but I could see moving that around by the end and putting Tom in as well because I think people are actually watching the show. Yeah, and it's such a a loud performance um that it's just it's highly memorable and it's funny and don crowder's like such a character so i do think if they're watching it they'll um remember him at the very least if not like him i think it's very hard not to like his performance uh leah i can see getting in to um a small i ended this week right yeah i did yeah so i don't know about that um it's another late one. I, I'm not. I'm not expecting much, but I think if people watch, it's another another if people watch it type thing. If people watch it, I think he has a good shot. Yeah, it's the most um, prestigious out of everything, I guess. Here in limited, uh, so I guess you could say that it kind of stands out on its own that way too. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's late. And I don't know. Do you have Belle Powley? I don't because I still have Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> I mean, that's another late one. That's also on Monday. I have a, uh, for actress, I have, 40. oh, actually I don't have Sydney Sweeney either. Wow. I, I have Riley. I have, uh, I went with this. Rachel Weisz, Elizabeth Olsen, Betty Gilpin, Ali Wong, Jessica Chastain, and Riley Keough. Betty, I wish. I'm really going hard on on Mrs. Davis. I have it in series also, another Hope Diction. Uh, I don't care. I like it. So, I mean, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to have it represented. Is this, is, is this your We Crashed and Limited this yes. year? Unsurprisingly, Joyce, I've interviewed people from Mrs. Davis. So, you just draw your own conclusions. But, uh, you could watch my video interview with Betty Gilpin. She was wonderful. Very nice lady. I mean, listen, I would not be shocked if she made it in because she made it in for all three seasons of Glow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, last email here, Joyce, before we sign off. Another limited question for us. Uh, kind of dovetails what we were just talking about. This one's from Andre. Hi, Chris and Joyce. I hope you are well. Last week, we were surprised by the news that the last thing he told me is the most watched Apple TV limited series of all time. Could the fact that this show has a large audience in the U.S. give Jennifer Garner her fifth nomination this year? I'm thinking about this a lot. Thank you very much for your attention. Sincerely, Andre. Is it the most watched, though? Like, so we don't have any numbers. I'll believe that it is, but I don't actually know what that means. Yeah, like, um, I, I probably is for um, Apple itself but in the grand scheme of things compared to like you know netflix what are so, what are their limited series let's start there um blackbird right um what else do they have we crashed well that was last, um, last year i'm just saying like in general this is their most watched limited series ever they don't have a lot of limited series i guess would be my let me point. let me google apple tv plus original programming um Original programming. So, wait. Oh, they just organize this by drama. And, okay. Oh, okay. I'm just searching miniseries now. So, their first one was Defending Jacob. Remember that? No. Three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michelle Dockery. Sure. And then, uh, Lizzie's story. Mm -hmm. that's one of julianne moore clive owen children of men reunion yeah that that premiered uh june 2021 uh the shrink next door remember that sure will farrell and paul rudd katherine hahn yes we crashed uh yeah we crashed the last days of tommy gray uh slj sure essex serpent Last year, okay, Hiddles yeah, had a lot of scarves and Claire Danes. Uh, five Days of Memorial. Sure. Watched it. Good. Uh, and then last thing he told me. So not a long list of limited series to choose from. And of that list, I would argue. That oh, Extrapolations for fave. Sure. Not a, not a broad audience for that one, I would that's, say. That's and like of all of these, I think yeah. last thing he told me, like we have said, is an HBO show. And, and if it was on HBO, it would have been as, a much bigger deal, like that kind of thing. So I'm not surprised that their most popular show based on the, or limited series based on the tone and the, the pedigree of the it. The best-selling novel. The novel. Yeah. So that said, I do think Jennifer Garner is great on the show, but I do think we, you, you kind of talked to this when we, we talked about this, when it came out, 
little bit of polarizing and especially the conclusion, not everybody was like enjoying it as much as I, I really liked it. I think the ending is really actually good and I like the whole show, but I know certain people who my, I know my, my parents watched it and my dad was like, Oh yeah. What does your mom think? I think my mom read the book. So she was like, she thought it was fine, but my dad thought the, the finale and the resolution was very unsatisfactory. So yeah, that was the thing. I think I mentioned this in April. Um, like yeah even book readers were uh, some book readers were not fans of the reveal or the twist or right. whatever i i it like was. it though i actually think it's cool because i'd actually never seen anything like that before i guess maybe for i guess if you don't like it you're like for good reason but i'm like i didn't really like i was like the idea that the whole show hinges on like a conversation between like one of the villains and then like jennifer garner and then also like the villain isn't even actually like a villain <laughs> <laughs> isn't really a villain and is also just like a grandfather who wants to have a relationship with his granddaughter and like the whole thing i found like really nuanced in a cool way but it definitely is if you're expecting like fireworks or like a big i don't i don't even think you're expecting maybe an action scene but if you're expecting some kind of like big confrontation and resolution you'd be disappointed i guess yeah or even just the the twist itself because i've i've uh talking about it with people who just read the book like two years ago when it came out it was I think um, it was just kind of expecting it to be more than just a mob thing, you know? So. I I thought of putting her in and I would like to see it. I I actually her in. (laughs) I did. I mean, I think this is like really one of the most, as like uninspiring as a lot of the limited series, let's say were this year. I think this particular category is as exciting as any other category at the Emmys. I think all these actresses are amazing. Like I said, like I have, the six I have are Rachel Weisz, Elizabeth Olsen, Betty Gilman, Ali Wong, Jessica Chastain, and Riley Keough. But like, I think you come up with a lot of others. Emily Blunt is still like third in the odds for the English. Lizzie Kaplan for Fleischman. Dominique Fishback for Swarm. Belle Pauly, uh, Sydney Sweeney. I don't know. I, I'm like, there are a lot of like exciting performances here. And so like, it would be cool if Jennifer Garner got in. But to me, it feels a little, even though more people watched it, arguably, it feels a little like Julia Roberts for Gaslit last year. Which is probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, it, I guess it's also the thing is like, uh, I'm sure people watched it, but it is like, do, do they also like care enough or like it enough to nominate it? Right. And will it know, be their favorite? Would it be? Their yeah. Favorite? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. It, yeah. Um, and like, there's also, um, you know, in, in my own bubble, like, I feel like I've seen like no chatter about it since it was on. Since it, it has definitely, I, yeah. we talked about this. We talked about this. We say this all the time. Uh, it definitely felt like a show that maybe would have benefited from being released all at once. Maybe, I don't know. It's, you would, think, you would think like, you know, it would prolong the conversation with um, weekly drops after the, I think it had a double episode premiere. I, I think it had double episode premiere and then weekly drops. I guess I would say like one of the benefits of having this been, I would say art, like, cause that's how at least I watched it. Cause we had all the screeners. So I watched it over like a few days. I don't think every episode ends with the cliffhanger enough to make you want to keep going or come back to it after a week. But I do think as you're watching it, at least in my in my case, I was like, I am curious enough to see how this happens that I will watch another one. And the fact that like we talked about, all the episodes are under like 40 minutes, it makes it easy to just go to the next one. But I think if you're like, 
watched an episode and it didn't really have like enough juice, like in those middle, middle part of the season, you might actually not even remember to go back to watch it the following week or just be like, Oh, I guess, Oh yeah, I got to watch those. So how many do I have left? That kind of thing. Like, I just feel like it's easier to forget, but if you're watching all in a row, you might just be like, Oh, okay. I'll just keep watching it. Yeah. I, I guess I, because I, came at it I, I also watched it all like over two days like the screeners but I also came at it as like having read the book already and I wanted to see what uh they changed or did not change and how they adapted it so um I guess it's like how about the the non-book readers who just came into it blind right too because I feel like some book readers would just want to continue to see what they do you know yeah, yeah no I think that's true so but so yeah we're not I, gonna bring Jennifer Garner is what you're saying no. no um love her she should have one for alias but <laughs> last one daddy too for his one episode uh guest appearance last one here email us at slickphysicalderby.com this one will be quick because i you mentioned this earlier uh it's hey chris and joyce this is from caleb love you guys been watching forever now outside of emmys i was wondering what you guys thought of the killers of the flower moon trailer and its awards chances joyce you didn't watch the trailer I didn't. So, I told you I haven't watched it yet. Um, I'm trying to stay away from it for the time being. I just because it's what like everyone is obsessed with and talking about right now. So I'm like, I'm just gonna give it a beat. I do this a lot. I haven't watched a poor things trailer yet. It's just like film Twitter gets so excitable over this stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna wait. Uh, I did so. watch it. And uh, it's a good trailer. That's all. I, I, I mean, like it is a 90. It's, it's a, a teaser trailer. It's a teaser trailer. Very short. I would say uh, based on the trailer and then just the responses from Can, not a single thing about how this is going so far has surprised me, I would argue. Like it's like we all expected. No, like nothing. Yeah, like I was like. Seems like it is. Yeah, like we knew that they were going to release the trailer last week before the premiere and they did. Um, you know, I, I've seen the memes. Great you memes. Know, the wolf, Beautiful the, memes. The wolf meme. Yeah. So, but I haven't watched the whole thing yet. So, and yeah, I've seen the the clips from the premiere. You know, their standing ovation. Love the counting the standing ovations. We're still doing that. Still counting. Yeah, and then you know the press conference and all Great that. So. Marty rules. Love Martin Scorsese. I will say I read a lot of the interviews with Martin Scorsese. Great one. Deadline had with Mike Mike Fleming wrote with Scorsese. Just a really good interview. I thought. Oh yeah, the one where like everyone was like "fuck" when he's talking about like, "oh, I'm 80, I don't have much time left." Yeah. That one, and then another good one that Kyle Buchanan did around the movie that was a lot shorter but had like really, again, similarly poignant comments from him and Thelma Shoemaker, who's 83. And it just does feel like whatever, you know, God love him. But I'm like, this could really be like, how many more movies does he have in him to make? And I'm like, is this really the he last? You know, he's the most creative now, but he's 80. Right. Just doesn't have enough time. And it obviously takes him such a long time to mount a movie. So I'm like, there is a you know, kind of like sadness around this already to me, like pre-grieving. Uh, this has thing. has this, um, you know, since you're so reactionary to everything, have you adjusted anything in your Oscar predictions? No, but I would say like, just from reading, like there's certainly this week, there was also a trailer for Color Purple, uh, which came out this week. Which I also did not watch, so. Totally, again, like nothing in there made me think differently about the movie, I guess I would say, like was like selling what I had imagined it is. Uh, the I, only I thing... did see that um, Fantasia got the and credit. Yes. Uh, the only thing that I guess the one thing I would say if we were we'll, we'll do our we'll re revisit our very early Oscar picks, I think in a few months, probably at this point, it's only May. Uh, I would say like Zone of Interest's debut at Cannes has me thinking that would be the uh, 
the Ruben Ostlin Memorial, three nominations uh, and nothing else uh, from Cannes and maybe a Palm winner as well uh, for, for Jonathan Glazer. That, that was, that's really like the only thing I've been like, oh, okay, this one I'll just write down. Haven't seen any of these, obviously. Did you have Lily Gladstone in lead or supporting? Let me. I, I think, think I, I think I moved her to supporting because I had her in lead last year when we thought it was coming out last year. So I think you. I think you moved her in, into supporting, and I think I moved her into lead. And I think that sure. sounds right. You think um, that's right, or do you think that'll be? What I, I, I think, think that's what we did. Yes. But um, I, but it's still up in the mm-hmm. air, uh, where she's gonna be. Um, just just based on a lot of the reactions. I had her in lead, yeah. I, I get the sense that she would probably be a very, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know. It's like another, like, Michelle Williams situation where, like, you're locked in supporting. I mean, when we do our picks, we'll see. I might I might, re, re, I might, I might drop her into supporting when we do our very early, second very early picks in three months. But, uh, yeah, nothing, I mean, good trailer, can't wait. Very excited. For I know, her. I'm like, not, nothing, all based on everyone's reactions. I'm like, it's like exactly what I expected. Yes. I don't know. Like nothing, but... nothing surprised me. Uh, Joyce, so we'll come back next week with uh, so many finales, so many finales. We'll have the succession finale, Barry finale, Ted Lasso finale, uh, Mrs. Maisel finale, all happening here in the next like five days, basically. Yellow yeah, Jackets finale. Yeah. But that's not ending, ending. No, no. Series finales are just Maisel. Yeah. Barry, Ma- Ted is like maybe but probably not i get this i would say not at all i'm sure that's going to be the ted resolution and then the show would continue and then like nate nate will be coach in season four yeah pretty much or nate and ned lasso red or nate lasso um yeah so um the flash is also ending series finale can't say i watched that one choice um no no but you know end of the arrowverse and the cw as we know it yes sad R.I.P. Tough, tough beat. Uh, yeah, I'll see the Flash movie. I'm excited for that. Seems good. Yeah, they've um, you know, a lot more. I guess a uh, less uh, positive reactions now that they're uh, taking it out more. Yeah, showing it to people who are maybe are not in the tank. I will it. say I, I have talked to multiple people who have seen it, and they all seem to say it's at least good. So. Maybe not as great as everybody. Maybe not as great as as Zaz and Tom Cruise thought, but like still good. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, so. seems fine. All right, we'll talk next week. Bye, For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at Gold Derby.